All right, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all here. It's a morning episode again. You know, I think because I'm on the West Coast, uh, when I do, when I uh, have guests on from the East Coast, sometimes it's easier. I just do it, you know, early. So it's early for me, but that's fine. I have a, a cup of coffee instead of my usual bourbon or scotch, and it's and it's all fine. So I'd like to welcome to the show returning guest. He's a teacher and writer, poet from New Jersey, but originally from Alaska. Right, Josh? Yes, sir. Yeah, welcome to the show, Josh Metzger. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Thanks, Rob. All right, and and me and Josh were chatting a little before, and uh, so uh, yeah, let's get into the record because I wanna I wanna go what you were talking about, but then I said, wait, hold on, I gotta start taping. But uh, what's the album uh, that that we're talking about today? So the album we're talking about today is Key Lime Pie by Camper Van Beethoven. Yep, Key Lime Pie, and then Josh, uh, uh, when I was doing my homework, and then Josh said uh, that me and Barry did uh, Camper Van. Beethoven, our revolutionary sweetheart, like uh, really early on, right, Josh? Like episode yeah, it was episode uh, twelve, I think. Yeah, episode twelve. So uh, you were saying about go ahead. You were you were starting to say about that album and Camper Van. So go ahead. Oh yeah. So um, the the first uh, experience I had with these guys was um, see, it's kind of fuzzy, uh, but uh, it was either nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine when these uh, when these albums came out. And I saw um, um, Aya Fatima. From uh, uh, Revolutionary Sweetheart, I saw it on the, uh, so it was called The Box. Um, I don't know if you remember that or if they even had it uh, in uh, Boston or, or Florida, where, wherever you were in the late 80s. But uh, so uh, my family didn't have cable, so we didn't have MTV. But um, it's a lot of times I would go over to my, my best friend's house who lived, you know, right across the, uh, right across the fence from us. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd go and uh, listen to, you know, watch 120 minutes or whatever. Right. And it was either it was either there or um, I don't know what you'd call it. They, they called it the the box, the video jukebox, right? So you could, you know, pay $4 or whatever it was and you get your, you get your video. And I, I looked it up. It was, it's like eight or nine dollars in uh you know 2023 money so that's really kind of a lot. oh okay yeah, yeah. I, I i you know what it sounds vaguely familiar we never i never had it but i do i do remember hearing about that yeah so so i you know if i was feeling like i really needed to hear you know the cure or, or you know uh erasure whatever it was i you know uh pay for it but oftentimes i would just wait you know sit up you know throughout the night for hours and hours watching these videos and uh, I Fatima came on. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I I was really into REM and um, you know, kind of like folkier things, I guess, at the time. And it was just kind of you know what I needed. And um, Key Lime Pie came out around around that time, and it, it, it was one of those kind of kind of perfect albums, you know, like th- there was. Uh, 
you know, not a not a bad track on it. It kind of went from uh, strength to strength. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, you're right. Our beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart came out in '88, and this one, Key Lamp Pie, came out in '89. And the band uh, final uh, it was the final album before they broke up in '90. I mean, they did a couple of reunions after that, but yeah, they they basically uh, after this record, a little bit after they broke up. Yeah, it, it was a real bummer. I, um, I I remember hearing about that, and I was like, well, shit, like this is you know. It was in my like top five, you know, favorite albums from that whole that whole high school time, and just really bummed me out at the time. But now that I, you know, I've gone back and I, you know, uh, watched interviews with them and you know read stuff that they said, I, I could kind of I could kind of see why they, uh, you know, had to take a little break from each other. Oh yeah, right. Well, uh, Jonathan Siegel, who's been a guest on on the show, Jonathan Siegel. Uh, wasn't on the, uh, this one because he was gone already. He was the uh, yeah violinist, multi instrumentalist. But yeah, he was gone already. Yeah. So yeah, uh, bands are tough, Josh. You know, it, it's it's uh, tough to be in a band. <laughs> well, I bet. Well, it, it's funny because I was re- about the Jonathan Siegel thing. I was reading. Um, he was saying, how did he say it? He said even though he didn't play on it, it was like one of his favorite uh, Camper records. Oh wow, uh, nice. I, I, I got that right. <laughs> But he like you know really gave it a big thumbs up, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And 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 you know they're one of these uh, they're one of these bands that I whenever I revisit them it it, it brings me back to a time yeah because the late eighties and that because it was kind of like a weird time it it didn't get into the nineties when you know when you had Nirvana and grunge and all that it was before that yeah. so these bands there were these you know alternative bands and yep. punk I loved it because punk was so many different things like you said it was so many different genres there was a folky punk yep. and there was the heavier stuff I want to say it was Mike Watt he just put out a I don't know. I, I don't remember if it was something you said or the name of an album, but it's uh, punk is whatever we say it is. Something like that. Whatever we say it is. Right, right. Convictions like some affliction Without the clouds of doubt It's fucking nonsense Ignoring content Letting them out just about I, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, um, I, I, we, we were talking a minute ago about, uh, you know, researching and making notes and all this stuff. And I, I just, when I, when I, uh, do something like this, I, I want to get all, you know, all deep into the background and get all the minutia and all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's a, a very interesting to me, but I, um, in doing all this research, I, I went into a, a, a rabbit hole. Um, so they were, you know, they, uh, on their first, uh, album, they did that cover of, uh, Wasted, right? The Circle Jerks, uh, Black Flag. Right. And I was like, oh man, it was just, well, it was absurd, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And then I started, um, sorry, this, this is going to be a tangent, I apologize. No, I, I started um, uh, seeking out those those old SST uh, albums, right? So, you know, in doing that, I found uh, a podcast. Do you mind if I mention another music of podcast? Of course not. Go ahead, do it. Absolutely, one, you know, 180 degrees from you guys, from you, but it's a... Uh, uh, you don't know Mojack, and uh, you you should really give that a listen. They go through the entire um, uh, SST catalog. Oh, nice, from nice. Beginning to end, 
And I, I don't know if they listened to this, but uh, it, it, I, I always I always thought it was kind of they they started at the beginning, and they're you know somewhere in the early '90s right now. And I was just thinking, wow, you know, they should have done that backwards, right? Because I mean, obviously, you're going to want to end on you know Minuteman, Black Flag. Oh, right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and as as much as I love Greg Ginn, I think that the black flag would be a stronger you know ending you know versus what he's doing now i see what, yeah that's funny i that happens a lot actually yeah. when i listen to a music podcast like they'll cover the entire career of a band and yeah it, it, it a lot of times they'll start up but by the time they get to the end albums you're like oh I, yeah. I don't know i never even listened to this album i don't know that yeah, yeah you're right yeah that, they probably should have done it backwards yeah but no but it's funny though because in like uh you know talking about discographies um th this was the you know at the time this was the last camper album and I, like it it really is my favorite it's uh yeah well we, we can we can talk about all the ins and outs but it, it's kind of like they like wh whatever they were working towards in the 80s it just kind of i mean obviously not for them personally but uh the music just kind of coalesced right it just kind of for me it was everything that they were the 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 best of what they were doing yeah, yeah, because they were definitely right from the start. They definitely played around with genres, you know, uh, world music and uh, ska yeah. and all these different things. And yeah, this album—it's like when I listen to it, I forget, man, just what good uh, musicians they were. And uh, uh, David Lowry, uh, like I, I, I love—he's he's a great singer because he's got this raspy, distinctive voice where you always know it's him singing. But uh, yes. his his lyrics are great on this. Uh, you just really great lyrics. And all right, so the the main the core band was uh, David Lowry. You had bassist Victor uh, Krumenacker, yeah, yeah. Uh, lead guitarist Greg uh, Lisher, and drummer Chris uh, Peterson. Uh, but they also yeah. got they got all these ex they got this guy Don Lax uh, to play uh, most of the violin parts. But he uh, eventually yeah. Morgan uh, Fitchter uh, became their. Um, a violin player but she only played on a couple of tracks here and, and then they got this guy um tim cook playing a pedal steel like all over the album and it's so good yeah okay you know it's it's funny like i i, I guess we should I, I guess i'll uh mention this now because I, I i couldn't find him on any particular song but if you look in the liner notes it says that garth hudson from uh from the band uh does backing vocals uh i think it said like talking and uh organ oh right and, uh, uh, Gorth hudson yeah yeah talking and he and he is playing organ uh on it too yeah right which is really cool so um yeah and they got this guy uh hammer smith playing harmonica on a couple of songs so yeah just okay they, they were the you know that that that's what originally got me into uh, to punk music and everything i love because you know the first thing i heard a lot of people probably heard uh, take the skinheads bowling was the first thing they heard right every day That was just like a really fun, you know, uh, a tongue-in-cheek song, uh, and uh, but they just, not, not my uh, yeah, but they just like 
like you said, this album is probably like the uh, melding of all this stuff they wanted to do and just all put together. Yeah. And yeah, it's really great from beginning to end. It's just uh, such a great record. When they like they've called it their um, darkest album, which I I really loved as a you know bummed out sixteen year old. It's right. just kind of for me. I would uh, this is one of my headphone albums, right? So I'd like have my you know, Walkman or whatever and just kind of wander around uh, listening to this over and over and over on uh, a cassette tape. But if you play it and flip it. And, Yep, that's a great uh, it's a great headphone record. All right, so let's get into it because there's a lot of songs. Uh, they start out with the theme. They call it opening theme, and this is the the newest member, Morgan uh, Fitcher, is playing violin on this one. It's got a vaguely Middle Eastern vibe, right? Wouldn't you say? It, it's kind of like a weird hung- Hungarian folk kind of vibe, as well, like a like a real Eastern European. Right, right, right. There you go. Right, you're right. On. More yeah. more hung- Eastern European than Middle Eastern. You're you're absolutely right, actually. Uh, All right, let's listen to a little bit of the opening theme. Yeah, really nice intro. Just uh, you know, sounds great, and uh, yeah, yeah. I like how they threw some instrumentals on the record. Yeah, well, that, that was the thing I was going to say. Like they, um, they have that one, and then in the middle, they, what they call it, like interlude or something. Yeah, and it's it really it really just breaks it up, and the um, sequencing of this album was just well. Again, it's like it, it's the perfect album. It's, uh, yeah, I, I can't yeah. have good things about it. All right, so we get into uh, second song, which uh, there's a lot to unpack in this song, but let's listen to it first, then we'll discuss it. Let's do a little bit of Jack Ruby. I remember his hat tilted forward, his glasses unfolded in his vest. Dances who work in a bar 
Yeah, so basically, you know, a, a song about Jack Ruby. So you, as a teacher, history, I mean, this is history, right? <laughs> well, it, it's the, um, it, it's funny because they, they have like Cold War references all over this album and the last one. And uh, what, what's that one? Uh, uh, Joe Stalin's Cadillac. Um, oh, oh, right, right, right. Earlier on. And uh, yeah, it's the um, Cloven Hoof Gangster. That's just. That's the best, like the uh, best metaphor, and it's uh, it, it's because the um, the whole JFK uh, conspiracy thing, you know, uh, 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 JFK assassination is, I don't know, like they have kind of a '60s folk, uh, certainly like like a psychedelic, like atmospheric thing going on, uh, kind kind of across all their albums except for the first one. And uh, yeah, it's I always found that really interesting about them. Yeah, and uh, Jack Ruby, I don't know, it, it's weird. I've always had this weird thing about Jack Ruby. Of course, uh, nightclub owner and uh, who murdered Lee Lee Harvey okay. Oswald on. Okay, so on November twenty fourth, nineteen sixty three, like I always felt like I had this memory that I remember my parents watching TV because it was on TV. The uh, you know, uh, it was on. NBC people watching NBC witnessed the shooting as it happened um and I remember my parents freaking out like oh oh my god you know freaking out watching the TV but then I realized I was only six months old so how could I remember that I, I don't think so I don't know if it's actually if I really remember it uh -huh. or just my parents uh, told me about it later and I sort of made up this memory that I remembered them watching the uh, uh <laughs> him killing Lee Harvey Oswald but that's uh, funny yeah 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 and uh, there's some really nice uh, uh, steel guitar from Tim Cook on this one. And uh, it's got also really... Oh, I was going to say that, that that guitar sound. Yeah, right. It's great. Uh, it, it's great. It, it It's like heavy, but it's still really musical. And it's got this really great uh, dramatic outro. Like this, the whole musical outro of it is very dramatic. Yeah. I'll, I'll play some of that underneath. So, uh, yeah, there's great, uh, like I said, great uh, pedal steel, more on the next one, uh, Sweethearts. And I love uh, what I love that he he does a lot. Larry does a lot. I love how the lyrics just sort of tumble in at the beginning. Like they come in with no setup, like because uh, he's always like he's he's sort of coming in the middle of a story because he's always living back in Dixon circa 1949. Yeah. And we're all sitting in the fountain at the five and dime. Like he just, you know, Absolutely. starts in like the middle of a story. And I always uh, I always think that's cool. I, I like when uh, when songwriters do that. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Sweetheart. Cause he's living in some B-movie 
this is like it, to, to me this is like that first wilco album yeah, I was just thinking. Really I was just good. thinking that they definitely were ahead of their time, and they uh, were a precursor to a lot of the Americana type bands and stuff like uh, Wilco. Absolutely. Oh, and just the—I don't know. This has like a real low-key um, kind of laid-back feel. But then when you listen to the lyrics, and I—I I totally didn't get this when I was a kid. But I—I I was kind of like living through the Reagan years, right? So I didn't know until I got older. Like the whole thing is just one big slam on Reagan. And like it, it, the, the last couple of lines. Because um, in the mind, well, when he says, because in the mind of Ronald Reagan, wheels they turn and gears they grind, buildings collapse in slow motion and trains collide. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Right. And like he sets it up. Oh, you know, he was a B-movie actor. Yeah, yeah, right, white, right, is exactly. So Man, uh, thank God for Ronald Reagan, right? Uh, bands, 80s uh, punk bands had so much uh, material with him. God. Oh, Mother Reagan and her crew took away from me and you. I'm sick of fire. And it, it's funny because, like, and again, like I was reading about these fellas, and uh, and I, again, I'm sure that as a professional musician, you can attest to this. Well, uh, professional is very uh, is a very loose term to use. <laughs> so when they were going into the uh, studio for the the our beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart, they they I don't know, like they, they didn't have to pick a leader. It doesn't sound like they wanted to pick a leader, but their producer just kind of was like, all right. You know, you're going to be the songwriter and the singer. And I guess that's the way it goes. Oh, right. You know, like right, they right. had to, I don't know, the 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 lyrics, his lyrics just kind of took a, like a, a leap from, you know, 87 to 88 or whatever, you know? Oh, right, right. Like they just entered that sweet spot. And e- even though it was really, you know, terrible time for them as people, I, I really liked these again sacrilege i really like these two major label albums the best yeah well i think they were yeah i think he really hit his his peak as a songwriter as you said reading through the lyrics on this yeah like i remember listening to this album all the time i love this album but i didn't really dig into lyrics then like i did now digging into them and thinking man this guy was a great lyricist so good and so young too right like in his in his 20s at that point yep and and this next one, so there's a really funny story I read that he told about this song uh, when I win the lottery. Let's listen to it. And yeah. uh, you you pr- I love this one. You, you you probably read the same one, but let's listen to it when I win the lottery. Well, I lost an eye in Mexico. Lost two teeth where I don't know. People see me coming and they move to the other side of the road. Money on the lottery. 
great because it's such a great chorus, but it's wordy. It's like such a wordy chorus. Uh, When I win the lottery, going to buy all the girls on my block a color TV and a bottle of French perfume. When I win the lottery, going to donate half my money to the city so they have to name a street or a school or a park after me. That's the chorus of the song. (laughs) I love the um, thing I like most about this album is the um, the wackiness kind of toned down. So it's more like, hey, here's your sarcastic quip. You know, like he, here's a witty thing, but it's not just like out and out goofy like it used to be. And I, oh, right. I appreciate yeah. That. Well, uh, did you read now? Did you, did you read the inspiration that he had for for this song? Where they, where he was inspired about it? No. Oh, okay. He said he rear-ended someone on the uh, in California on the uh, on the seventeen twelve eighty interchange in Santa Clara. And the a tow truck driver that got him, he was like stuck in the car in the in the truck with the tow truck driver, and he launched into this whole monologue that basically became the basics for the song. So I guess he was saying a lot of the stuff that's in the song. He said over the course of a half of a half hour ride, uh, he he confessed to like these series of small felonies, and he had uh, profound contempt for virtually every aspect of society, especially his contempt for religion and uh, patriotism. So this is all wow. this uh, a tow truck driver driver. I guess Hang out basically. with that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's great. <laughs> that's really good songwriters. That's what they do. They just pluck things from uh, from life, you know. Well, it's funny because like that whole that reference to um, going to buy post three hundred six American Legion, paint yeah. it red with five gold stars. Right. <laughs> this sounds silly, but I, I had no idea what the American Legion was up until very recently because oh, I don't okay. even had one up in Alaska. But now I totally. It just makes me chuckle when I hear that line. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like it's the flag great. of China. See, there, there's your uh, Cold War. Oh, yeah, again. yeah, you're right. It's, it's all over that. He's obsessed with that. And, and he's also obsessed with just the the everyday mundane things. Like, uh, I was born in a laundromat. Uh, well, let's listen to it. Born in Great, and it's you know it's 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 interesting yeah. to think back that this is a major label album, and I feel like right. these days a major label wouldn't let a band make an album as weird as this one, you know. With all right, the, well, and it's songs. funny because like, yeah, no, so like th- this one, um, uh, Green by REM, uh, was another one that was well, like in any of the Cure, or Depeche Mode at that time. Right. It's just yeah, like pe- people wouldn't take chances like that now but it it's really interesting people talk about nirvana being the one but i mean jane's addiction right they came out with a 
major label album. I mean, the Pixies were gigantic. And yeah, and it, it's weird. Like looking back at it, they I don't, I don't know how to say it. They 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 were kind of saddled with that um the the idea that like they were the ones who broke everything. And I, I love them, but that's not really true. Right, right. Exactly. Like well, they were the ones that brought in. it that brought it into the mainstream and made it all mainstream yeah. and in a way it kind of ruined everything <laughs> for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then you had candle box, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, it just like shoved all the, the good stuff shoved it even more underground and more like yes. uh fringe, yes. you know, where it, it, it not necessarily is. Cause you listen to this and this is just a great record. I mean, it's just great songs, really catchy, yeah. but the weirdness of it. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, wouldn't you know i don't know it, it, it's uh it's definitely something of its time and i listen to these uh albums like this and it sort of makes me nostalgic for uh the music at that time yeah well and it's it, like the, there's i mean name me another band that incorporated you know reggae ska punk rock uh yeah europe European folk music, right, right, exactly, exactly. Middle Eastern uh, scales, like who, who would do that? Nobody, right, right. That they did it, yeah, yeah, and great. And this, uh, uh, this next one, Borderline, is not a cover of the Madonna song Madonna. Borderline, which would be cool. I would, I would love to hear that too. But uh, there's some tasty harmonica from Hammersmith on this one, and it's kind of like a like a vaguely sad sounding song. Well, we could talk about it. Well, and I, I have a theory about this one. Oh, go ahead. Um, so my, uh, my theory was that the, well, the, the borderline, right. It's the U S Mexico border. And th there's a really interesting thing at the beginning where, uh, maybe David Lowry kind of sounds like him. He goes, huh? And then someone goes, okay. You know what I mean? Right. And I was like, I was envisioning like, oh yeah, like he's selling something or he's like, you know, here the like I'm a coyote here, the people in the back of my truck and the guy's saying, okay. Right. You know, like, uh, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. 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 Talking about going, you know, East to West, West to East. Uh, I'm empty just like you. And I don't know. It just kind of caught me uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Very melancholic. Uh, let's just do a little bit of borderline. It says, I have silver and I have dollars and papers too. Bring me a mango from the south, drink from the bottle and one for you. I mean, 
right? It's just like these these little tidbits here and there that he drops. Right. Yeah. He's very. Uh, his lyrics are very deceptively poetic, and and I know you're a bit of a poet, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I could totally see you getting drawn uh, to the lyrics in this because, yeah, like this next one, The Light from a Cake, very deceptively oh, uh, poetic uh, lyrics on this one. Let's listen to a little bit of The Light from a Cake. I'm alternating between heavy and light, between meaning and nonsense, and having a drink. I have counted all the lines on the road Between here and Los Angeles They pass straight below And I am dreaming of a light And it comes from your head <laughs> yeah, so he's singing. Yeah. I love stuff like this where I don't really know for sure what he's singing about, but I feel like he knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> I was thinking, uh, yeah, I was thinking of a cake to to lift off this burden, to lighten this weight. One sweet little cake, dervishes run the head of a pin. We are sleeping like angels and living like devils again. Well, and like that that particular line. So here, can, can as a musician, can you explain to me? They they do something there, and I can't figure out what it. It's like they go from minor to a major or something, but it's I don't know. Like I've been listening to that, and it just sounds so weird. And there's like weird notes thrown in there. Oh yeah, well they do. They they definitely do different, uh, not a traditional chord changes. Like when they go from one yeah. chord to the next, and that definitely gives the songs that really charming off kilter feel which is uh great because you know a lot of times the thing is you don't even not knowing music you still you could tell when something sort of when a chord goes to what you sort of can feel what it's what's going to come next and when it doesn't when when bands do you know unusual chord changes and stuff it 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 kind of throws you off a little and puts you a little off kilter but it's for especially for people like us that appreciate it we just uh yeah it's like oh wow that's cool well and like yeah and uh, the um guitar especially the, it, it he has this like chimey like ringing thing that 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 uh what's his name greg glisher that, that he does sometimes and again it's just like he might do it for a couple of beats and then it switches to something else you can't you can't really put your finger on it but you want to keep listening to it over and over until you figure it out yeah it's nice and also no. this one sort of has this sort of a carnival like feel uh, uh like a carnival feel you know and that's that that yeah. also gives it makes it feel all kind of off kilter in a way but uh it's great very yeah. appealing all right so we have june which is a love letter i think it's like a love letter it sounds like for someone that maybe he's leaving behind there's there's vague uh sense of that throughout this it's definitely not you know he doesn't just write these uh, traditional love songs but i feel like this one right. here is a little more personal i heard that there was some you know 
you know, everybody was kind of going through some stuff, like particularly <laughs> like during the recording of this album. And then they oh, okay, okay. did a tour of Europe and broke up. Oh, so right, it was just right. Yeah, kind of like I was getting at before, like as their, for, you know, for me anyway, as their music was coming together perfectly, they were just splintering apart, which really makes me sad. But yeah, yeah, it, it's back hard now. though. It's hard. Yeah, but it's hard being like in a band. You're out on tour and your loved ones, you know, you're just trapped with these guys and uh, with these people in your band. That's it. And you're missing people at home. It's tough. Um, I just want to say, I'm going to play a little bit of June, but I want to say towards the beginning, uh, he says, uh, are you aware of the lengthening days? Do you secretly wish for no- November's rain? I just want to point out, because I checked, I said, wait, is this, but this came out before uh, Guns N' Roses' November rain, so he nice. did not steal that. Hey, maybe he's a Axel. fan. Maybe Axel was a fan. Let's, let's listen to June. <laughs> kind of a kind of a you know in a way it could be a cliche trope you know comparing the seasons to love but i he just puts like a a really cool spin on it uh with with the lyrics they have that is very uh, poetic well and also i was uh thinking about this too like his, his voice it's just i don't know like and again like with this one and the previous one and maybe they're um what do you call it? Their 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 self-titled one from 1986. I kind of got, I don't know, like his voice just kind of goes through a change, right? He becomes like more snarky. And I, I always kind of thought that he was a uh, vocal cousin of like Keith Morris from, you know, Circle Jerks or even uh, even better, the um, what's his name? Rodney Amadeus Anonymous from uh, from uh, Dead Milkman. Yeah, well, that's California. A lot of these guys from California have that. They have that kind of sort of sneering uh, delivery, like offhand sneering delivery. Yeah, and like even when he's saying something serious or, you know, like painting a beautiful picture, it still kind of comes out that way. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like they can't take anything totally serious. Yeah, yeah, it's true. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's just uh, where they're from. You know, they just can't help it. All right, so all her favorite fruit. Do you know? Do you know about the connection to uh, Gravity's Rainbow, uh, Thomas Pinchon? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard about that. Right, so he did. Um, he, 
how do you say it? he he wrote this song about two of the characters can't remember their names yeah jessica swan lake and roger mexico from uh gravity's right. rainbow right which which i wouldn't have you know to be fair i never i mean i i, I am a fan of thomas pinchon but I, I don't think i would have realized that unless i read about it but um but it's cool and uh, yeah it's just a great song no matter what let's listen to all her favorite fruit I think this is probably my favorite song on this album. It's just like it, at the end when he, it's just like that louder part kicks in. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, it's really dramatic and 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 uh, yeah, yeah it, it has like a really great bridge with the violins, and then it gets really? yeah very dramatic and uh, really like whistling. a movie. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And it's got that dun da 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 da. It's like very kind of regal. So th- this is another one that always tripped me up. And I, I didn't know about the Gravity's Rainbow thing until very recently, but it's like there's a couple of different characters. Like when I was first hearing, I was like, "Oh, there's a couple of different characters talking," and he's like, you know, talking about you know the girl and whatever, and then he jumps to, "If if I weren't a civil servant, I'd have a place in the colonies," and he goes on about where the fruit was, you know, harvested from, and I'm like, "What? The, like, what is this guy talking about?" But it like now that I know. It's it's just like this nice weaving uh, story. And it's just it's really something. I I I love the way he did it. And the um again the guitar is just so like shimmery, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And then we have the you mentioned the interlude, and I mean that's that's it. It's basically it's just what it called. Uh, it's called an interlude. <laughs> Let's uh, we can listen to a little bit of it. Yeah, nice little interlude. That's nice. I like that. You know, sometimes I feel like life, like you should have little interludes, like little musical interludes in the, in the it, life. It's really cool. Like they, they do that on a couple of their albums. Like they did, um, I'm trying to remember what it was, Circles? The Circles and Instrumental from uh, 
Vamp- what vampire can meeting oven? Oh, okay. Well, if it is, I will play a little bit of it underneath. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's it's re- the, that one, and there was another one where he does this like cyclical thing with his with his guitar, and yeah, it's just. And I, I think that might be one of the ones where he where they uh, do like a backwards tape loop, and I, I think they did it on the interlude song. Oh, too, okay. Right. But yeah, it's yeah, it's it's cool. And then it goes into this one, flowers, which is cool. And it, it for me, I don't know if I'm just imagining it, but it's got some like a vaguely apocalyptic feel to me this one flowers which mm, uh I, I don't know listen to it and then think of the lyrics and let me know what you think let's listen to flowers flowers you think of something new rebirth but it seems like he's talking about like when he says on the uh, toppled towers flowers growing like so something yeah. this is like on the aftermath of everything when everything's been destroyed and then the flowers are growing again on that on yeah when he could, uh, yeah flowers growing out of my bones uh what he's like red orange fire flower yeah yeah it's uh very evocative this, this is another uh there's another one that grabbed me when i was a kid it just again with the with the poetry right it's just the the lyrics are kind of like you said uh inscrutable but you can uh i don't know like they they don't necessarily have to make logical sense right because they they just deliver that you know like that punch to you with the images and stuff you know what i mean oh yeah yeah for sure and i think i i love stuff like that and i always think well it probably makes sense to him but he's being very specific to him but it's not something you know and and, uh, that's fine you could just enjoy it you don't have to we don't have to know everything figure everything out all right so something i realized uh in this next one the human press of days for the whole thing i i sort of wasn't making because uh, as you said they were kind of a band in and of themselves you can't Uh, outwardly uh, compare them to a lot of other bands just because of how different they are. But one band I was thinking of was uh, a television because a lot of their songs are very angular and the very poetic, like you said, inscrutable lyrics is very uh, television-esque, I think. Um, And especially this next one, I noticed it. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit of The Human Press of Days. What did it mean to fly a tremor your soul to resist the dull insistence of gravity (laughs) 
grandy too A little bit of earth So you hear that a little, Josh? I can hear a little uh, Tom Verlaine, and I almost feel like the if you take away the violin and make it another guitar, like a second guitar, yeah, and yeah, two yeah. guitars counter, then you could you could sort of make that connection, right? Well, yeah, and like those weird, uh, yeah, it's like he plays a couple of notes and then, excuse me, you, you, like with that other song, he just takes it somewhere you didn't expect, but 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 you really like it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like again, this is one of those ones. Like I just had to keep listening to it over and over to figure out what the hell they were doing. Right. <laughs> and the the the, the lyrics. I, I I always kind of thought it was about somebody like jumping off of a roof or something to commit suicide. Right. Just because of the. Oh, okay, okay. It's just I don't know. Maybe it was just my teenage brain, but um, I don't know. Like the. What, how do you say, did you come uncoiled between the heavens and the earth? And I don't know, just like the human press of days. I always thought it was like he was feeling kind of oppressed by being alive. And he, you know, took this escape. I don't know. Maybe that's just, yeah. it, I, again, it was very like, and like, and, and, like if I've been you know listening to this for years and years and years, and, you know, I, I, I still can't like, quote unquote figure it out to me that that's what you want right from a song like it's just yeah, right for it, sure it hooks in you and you're like uh so good all right so this next one the uh, status quo uh cover picture of the master yeah. man this was huge this was an yeah. alternative rock hit and it reached number one on the billboard modern rock chart and i, I remember this was huge absolutely yeah, I, I I didn't see the video for this one until much much later. But yeah, like this was the one. Yep. That and um, uh, our beloved revolutionary sweetheart. Like that's those are the one two punch that got me into these guys. Right. The um, if you listen to the original, it's really really uh close. Like they didn't really do anything except they changed the horns for violins. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, exactly. Which is great. Sometimes that's great to do that. You don't have to totally uh, you know. I love both. I love when someone totally reinvents a song and does it, but I also love when someone just puts a little a little spin on it and kind of makes it their own that way. And I feel like they really, like you said, just just swapping out the violin just uh, ch- changes it, you know, and makes it a, a Camper Van Beethoven song. Well, and it has that like big rock chorus. Oh yeah, but <laughs> it's great. I, I wouldn't have known that it was not their song if I, you know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I didn't. Music. I didn't know. I'm not, uh, when I first heard it, I figured it was just this. I didn't know it was status quo cover until much later. Listen to pictures of Matchstick Man.
It's funny. One thing I noticed, and and this isn't a knockout or anything, but it definitely has that. uh, It was made in 1989, and we had we've talked about this on the show before. That there was a certain a production, especially on the drums. There was a certain sound Mm. that a lot of major labels sort of went to, and and this definitely has that. that. Yeah, it it definitely has that that like sheen to it. You know. You know, two two things about this song actually it's pretty cool they um they they tried to do this for the previous album like i guess they recorded it and they didn't like it and then recorded it again and then they like they shelved it but um this one and um come on darkness i think might be the next one they they, they weren't on the original key lime pie that they submitted to their uh record label right so then they were like mm, no we gotta have a single mm. And they gave it back to them and freaking David Lowry wrote that come on darkness song, like basically like right there on the spot. And then they recorded it and it's genius. It's so good. And then they put this one on the album. Yeah. It's a really, which is unusual because you would think it could work as an opener to the album. It could, but uh, as you said, the whole album is sequenced really good and it is a great one, two punch for the end of the album to have that. And then Come On Darkness, which is a really nice, uh, typically lyrical for him, but cynical, also kind of like a, c- yeah. a cynical ending uh, to uh, to the record. Well, and like the, the Come On Darkness and the uh, O Death from the... Yes, Rebel- right, Mercy right. Ever. Like it, I would just circle those back, you know, over and over and over and over because it's just, I don't know, it gets me. Yeah, gets yeah. Me Great uh, album closer. And I'll listen to the final track, Come On Darkness. it off but i love that we've been calling you for so long now we're weary of your name come on blackness let me breathe you in because with this clattering and din we are calling you well and yeah and like and that like his voice does that like break it's just i i i I don't know he was really really underrated as a singer it's just yeah i think so i agree because he didn't have a a traditional he doesn't have a traditional crooner voice obviously but it's great. It's just perfect for Camper Van Beethoven, and you always know it's him singing. Later on with Cracker as well. I mean, you just you know, oh my you God. always know it's him. Can I can I t- say two things about Cracker? Of so course. when uh, I want to say it was ninety nine, they said ninety nine or two thousand. What's his What's his name? Victor uh, uh, Krumenacker, the bass player, joined Cracker, and then excuse me, it was just like this 
well, so it's like Monks of Doom and Cracker and Camper and like all of these little bands and side projects. They all just, I don't know, they're like different formulations of each other. And they um, they started touring together, right? Like Camper Van Cracker, I think they, they call it. Oh, right. They they came up to Alaska in 2002 when I was already gone, and I'm just making so angry because I just, I, I really loved that first uh, Cracker stuff and uh, uh, what's it called uh, Teen Angst, the uh, what the world needs now. Song. Right, 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 right. Hey, just catch fire on that fucking song, Jesus Christ! It, they they aren't known as a, a rocking band I, it, you know what i mean like he like david lowry himself is not known as like rocking out but he just gets that thing on that teen angst song and again he just i don't know you, you can't i don't like you, you can't fake that kind of passion and and just he, he gets that emotion in it and it, it, as much as i like those early camper records it was kind of again kind of jokey and not he wasn't, in, in, in my uh, estimation, like he wasn't trying to sing, right? But like with right, these, right. with this one, he is just like letting it all hang out and you know, trying to be a singer, and it really shows. Right, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, crooning like a crooner. With even though, even though he's I got this busted voice, I, I'm still gonna croon, and it's great. So, uh, so Josh, uh, what's what's going on? Anything uh, like anything going on? Do you have anything coming out? I know you uh, you uh, do you release your poetry, or is it just you just uh, write it and like write it on a piece of paper and throw it out the window, or what do you do? <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay. Um, the, uh, no, well, so the um, submitting uh, uh, my my submissions, I'm just kind of um, taking a break. I'm actually uh, learning the guitar. So I... Uh, oh, you're learning I, guitar. I don't huh? have room Be enough careful, in my Josh, brain for a, uh, both things together. So I just kind of take slope, a little writing Josh, break. Huh? Slippery slope. Guitar. <laughs> you know, I, I got the calluses. It's been since uh, March. Okay. And I'm... Nice. Screaming along, man. Good. Good for you. That's just what we need. One more guitar player. Exactly. <laughs> well, I started out as a bass player, so there you go. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this was a, this was a great album. Uh, I appreciate you bringing it. Uh, don't forget, everyone, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. On Twitter, it's at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you want to become a patron of the show, like Josh, he's a patron, and you send in, uh, when we're done with this, I got to start editing our next patron episode, which is awesome. I got a lot of great submissions. If you want to become a patron and take part in those, you just go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. You become a patron. Josh, how much has that enriched your life, would you say, percentage wise? <laughs> Like well, ten percent. It's enriched my life by at least seventy-five percent. Oh, okay. Well, look at that. <laughs> I, I I crave every new episode. Like no no joke. It's uh it's a bright spot to my day. Oh, well, that's great. That's great to hear. And uh, don't forget, uh, even if you don't become a patron, uh, if you listen, subscribe, whatever you listen on, you could write a review. You could rate it. That always helps out. Thanks again, Josh, for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Rob Elba. See you, Rob. All right, we'll see you all next week. Midday air grows thicker with the heat that drifts to warm.